This is Kerry Steller with MMA UK and in the girls' corner. And I am speaking to Bruce, the veteran voice of the Octagon Buffer. How are you, Bruce? I'm good, Kerry. Thank you for the call. I, I look forward to being on the program. It's always good to do everything I can for the big UFC fans in the UK. We are so excited to be speaking to you. It is an honor. Uh, you are arguably one of the most recognizable voices in the entire world. How did you get into doing this and being the voice for the UFC? Well, I was never working in announcing before. I've, I've been an entrepreneur and I owned my first corporation when I was 19, owning a variety of different businesses. And then in the late 80s, um, being the huge boxing fan that I am, there was a gentleman who came into the world of announcing, adding a very debonair uh, James Bond flair and came up with this famous phrase that everybody caught on to called, let's get ready to rumble. Mm-hmm. And watching TV, when they flash his name on the screen, um, his name was Michael Buffer, is Michael Buffer. And my last name is Buffer, and I owned a number of telemarketing companies in my 20s. And I looked in every phone book to see my last name you know, around the country, which is a normal thing we all did back then before the Internet. <laughs> and uh, I never saw my last name. So when I saw his name on the screen, I'm like, who is this guy? So long story cut short, uh, he started becoming very famous like the boxers and people would come up to me and say, is that your brother, you know, saying let's get ready to rumble? And I'm like, no, my brother's name is Brian. <laughs> and um, I talked to my dad about it and I'm really cutting this story short. And we were driving on a trip one day and I said, dad, do you have any idea who this guy is? And he said, um, I think that's your brother. And I went, what? And I'm 28 years old at this time. Wow. And basically um, it turned out that Michael was dad's long lost son and my long-lost half-brother, because my dad never told me that he was married briefly during World War II when he was 20, and he went overseas for nine months. When he came back, his son was born, and that was Michael. And they lost track of each other, and Michael was raised by foster parents under a different name uh, of Huber. And when he went into the Army at 19 or 20, they said, your name is Buffer because his birth certificate has never properly changed. So <clears throat> had that not happened, which he maintained the name Michael Buffer since then, we probably never would have met. But when we did meet four years later, I sold two companies because I was burned out on what I was doing, even though I was making great money and doing well, um, because I had a dream and a passion to trademark that famous phrase properly, uh, take over Michael's management, become his partner, and eventually get into announcing myself, which we all agreed that I would become his partner and his manager because I looked at him and I said, listen, I want to make you richer and more famous than you ever dreamed, myself in the process. I want to put you in every form of sports and entertainment make video games and toys and movies and TV shows. And he's like, how are you going to do all this? And I said, I really don't know. But if I'm going to give everything up that I'm giving up, you better believe I'm going to make this happen. So that was some 27 years ago. And a few years after that, the UFC had come on the scene. But they were growing at a very strong rate, being the spectacle that they were. So being Michael's manager, I wanted to get Michael in every single event possible. So I got him into UFC 6, 7, and Ultimate Ultimate. And um, when I did, the very first show, he came out and he said, if it's not in the octagon, it's not real, which they had him say. And I knew because we had a huge contract, which you may be familiar with WCW Wrestling, the big league back then. Mm-hmm. Well, they called me that Monday and they said, what are you doing? <laughs> Why is he doing that? I said, he can do it. He's allowed to do it. He goes, no, you have to make a decision. Us or them. So it was a simple decision because the WCW was huge. Michael was making great money with it. And then when I pulled him out of his three shows, he did the three and he was done. I basically convinced the owner over a period of time to let me try uh, to announce the prelims, which I did. Then they called me back for UFC 10. 
Then I co-starred on the TV show Friends as myself, um, the UFC announcer, but as myself, Bruce Buffer. And that gave me the bartering tool to play the best poker hand I ever played in my life where I convinced them that I should announce every show, build with the UFC, and use my media contacts and everything I had at my disposal to help them grow and build the brand. Not just be the announcer, but grow and help help build that brand because I thought and believed and it did become true that it was going to be the biggest thing ever in the fighting sports, which it is. And there, there you go. That was the short and long story. I'm sorry for being so long with it. Oh, stop. That's amazing. For, well, I did a lot of my research and uh, I did find out that, you know, you are related to Michael Buffer, which a lot of people knew. But it's crazy because when I watched that Friends episode, um, I turned around and I, it was ab about that time that I knew what the UFC was and finally found out what it was. And I said, hey, that's the guy. I know him. <laughs> oh, well, thank <laughs> you for that. I remember watching you on there and said, this guy's got an amazing voice. Well, but I appreciate you saying. To find out saying... how you came into it is great. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying that back then because, you know, everything has an evolutionary process, including my announcing, performing, and my voice. So <laughs> I feel it's a little different now. But um, I still get residual checks. That show's so darn popular. I get a $54 <laughs> check every month. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun to open the envelope. I actually have seen that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that episode pop up during the day or on the weekend. And it just excites me so much. And I'll have people that come up to me and say, wait, is that the same guy? And I'm like, it is. It is. Now, you have a huge career in and out of the octagon. Um, you have a background in martial arts before being a uh, UFC announcer from when you were younger. Right. I was in uh, my first start was judo at 12. And I went on to... <clears throat> When we moved to Malibu from Philadelphia when I was 15, I met Chuck Norris's fighting partners and I became friends with Steve McQueen, the actor. And uh, he was into studying with Chuck. And then I started studying uh, Tonk Sudo and I became a second degree black belt in Tonk Sudo. And I, I, uh, was, I was a very active surfer back then, surfing every day, living the point break lifestyle to a certain degree. And um, we fought a lot. And we fought and we surfed and we trained and we surfed and we trained and we surfed and... That's all I did. And then I got into the world of kickboxing and um, I was working at the time, but I really, really trained very hard and rigorously for 10, 12 years in kickboxing and was thinking about having a single pro fight just to say I did it. But I got concussed a couple of times during the training and at 32 received the doctor's orders. <laughs> Stop taking shots to the head. Enjoy your life. Live your life. You're doing well. Train as hard as you want, but no more shots to the head. So that went out the door. Well, and, and look at what it's done for you. I believe when one door closes, a lot more open. But to have that background is absolutely huge because there's so many people in the MMA industry, you know, whether it be a journalist or, uh, you know, somebody that's even judging to ha not have any experience in it. Um, you know, it's great to see that you absolutely do. And, you Thank know, you. it's crazy because over the years I've been watching you and watching the fights and you, you are, you've helped grow the brand so much. And I remember I, I was watching, I can't remember, it might have been TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt won. And I noticed you had, you were, you were almost doing like an entertaining move of yourself. And it took me a while to figure out, you do, you have a whole, uh, not an act, but you put on a performance when you're in there and you do uh, your signature move, which is the buffer 180. When did you come up with all of this stuff? You know, when I first started announcing, I was like a tiger inside waiting to get out of the cage because I love to move and I'm like an NBA player who knows his half court every single inch. I know exactly where I'm at anywhere in that octagon, whether I'm, you know, no matter what direction I'm facing. But in the beginning, because of the announcers and the way they announced, 
everybody just sort of stands still in the center, you know, and, and like my great, my great brother, the legendary Michael Buffer, he's the most eloquent, classiest and legendary announcer of all time. And he stands there with his eloquent voice and his looks and he does his thing. And, and the other announcers have a tendency to really copy Michael over the years. And now I notice they're trying to copy me, which I find very funny when they try to do my physical stuff, but that's okay. You know, I always say, create your own style, be known for your own style. That's the best way to get known. But as far as your question, <clears throat> I never rehearse. I consider myself a performer as well as an announcer. And when I realized that about three, four years in that I was this animal inside waiting to like move, I decided that I was going to start moving. And I was doing so many different events. I started you know, going up to the corners to the fighters, moving around in the octagon. And one time I was facing the red corner when I had to announce the blue corner and I went, fighting right or introducing fighting out of the blue corner and i realized i was looking at the red corner right so i immediately snapped into when i said the word fighting i snapped into a 180 into a like a spinning bottom fist yeah, and yeah. i i shot over to the red to the blue corner and then walked over to them and announced them and when i did that 180 the crowd reacted and i got back to my seat and i thought hmm that works <laughs> so that, <laughs> So I started adopting the the 90 degree turn, the 180 degree turn, and eventually did the one time, one time only 360 at UFC 100. But you know what it is? It's it's all a sample of my passion for what I do, my passion and respect for the great female and male warriors that are putting their blood, sweat, and tears on the line in the octagon. The show is not about me. I am there to enhance the fighters and enhance the fans in their moment. So I go out every night treating every show like my very first show, to prove to myself, to the people I work for, and to the fans watching and the fighters I'm announcing that I deserve this job. And on that way, every single night I walk out after 24 years as of last Sunday, which is my 24-year anniversary of the Sunday before, excuse me, um, I still have the same attitude. And that's the passion that keeps me going. And quite honestly, when the passion wanes, Carrie, then you're going to hear it's time for me to retire because I'm not going to phone it in and I'm not yeah. going to travel the world 35 times a year which is hard enough as it is being on planes. That's probably the hardest part of the job because um, that, that novelty wore off a long time ago. Um, that's really it. I do everything with passion. If I can't do it with passion, then I'm out. Buffer out. <laughs> and, you know, it, it really, there is something huge to be said for that because if you don't love what you do, it's going to be very obvious and you're going to see it and you being who you are and everybody knows who you are, not just your voice, your your presence, the to the outfits that you wear, which are amazing. Your suits are absolutely amazing. Oh, um, yeah, and 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 that does it. And we, you know, I thank you on behalf of of the world because that's something special that you don't really get to see often in any other sport or a combat sport. You know, you are your own person, and and that there is something to be said for you know, don't be the next person, be the next you. So exactly. you've taken that to a whole nother level. Thanks, Carrie. I really appreciate your kind words. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that when I met my brother, Michael, and I became manager of his career and partner in his career for all the things we'd done, I told myself that I was going to get an announcing. I'd give it three years. And if in that three years I didn't develop my own style that I was known for, then I would have quit because I had no interest in being Frank Sinatra Jr. or holding on to the coattails. I sew Michael's coattails on. I'm his manager. I'm his partner. But I... I wanted to get out there and not be there for the paycheck and the great seat. I wanted to be out there because I love what I do and I'm known to do it well. And like I always say, like my performance, don't like me, whatever. Just know that I always give my best. I always give my all. And that's all I can do. That's all I can do. Well, 
Absolutely. That's, you know, more than half of everything is just giving your best and being the best version of yourself. And with so many fights, so many fights that you've been out there for, um, I mean, countless. Are there any that act, that stick out in your mind as a standout, like you'll never, ever forget announcing that fight? Well, yes. And then there's those because I've forgotten more than I can remember, which is the reason I wrote my book, It's Time, some eight years ago, to remember everything I'd done over the previous 14, uh, or excuse me, 16 years. And, you know, it's almost due ready for its time again for the next book. So if you were to ask me what the greatest fight I saw, it's, I can't say it. I can tell you a number of great fights I've seen because quite honestly, with the entertainment value and the quality of the Warriors and the Octagon, like just this last weekend, Paul Felder and Dan Hooker fighting in, in uh, New Zealand, that fight was probably going to be the fight of the year already this year. It's incredible. And that was a war. Um, a war. And there's so many of these great wars. Everybody deserves their just uh, praise. And, you know, next week, next week after in Vegas for the big 248 show, UFC 248, who knows? We might see it, you know, another between Wally Zhang and Joanna, you know, oh. and Jay Chuck and, and everything going on that weekend or even in the prelims. You never know what the best fight of the night's going to be. I mean, we've given the best fight of the night $50,000 bonuses to the very first prelim. You never know. It's, these warriors are amazing. The sport is so exciting. So can't tell you the greatest, but I can tell you about many. Can't tell you the greatest fighter, but I can tell you about many of the greatest fighters I've met. And you've met them all. And I mean, really, you've announced my favorite fights. And again, it's the same kind of thing. There's so much. And they evolve. Every time I watch a fight, it gets better and better and better. And, you know, again, you're going to have people that are going to go around and say their opinions of it like anything else. But uh -huh. at the end of the day, these people are in there giving their heart and soul, blood, sweat and tears for well, us you, to watch as enjoyment. Exactly. Carrie, earlier you pointed out something about the fact that people watching, critics criticizing, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> people judging, people do everything. But did they ever fight? It's kind of like a movie critic. You know, they're going to yep. tear apart a movie where they just spent, you know, 20, 30, 40 million or even five million People put their lives and their and they're on hold, you know, being on a set in another country for three months, working 12, 16 hour days. And then you're going to tear it apart in the space of, you know, 500 words. OK, mm -hmm. that's critics. They're all out there. We have to have a thick skin and deal with it. But, yes, it is great when people have had experience and especially in the fight game and the hurt game. They know what it's like to be punched in the face and they know what it's like to train and they know what it's like to be in there. You can't ask that of everybody, but it is great when they have that ability to have that knowledge. It makes it that much better. It really, it truly, truly does. And it really, in a lot of industries, you can say that, that if you have experience doing what you do and getting your hands dirty in it, um, you know it better than anybody else. And you're not going to be the quickest person to criticize it or, or to even just make a quick assumption. Because at the end of the day, you know, there is the unified rules, but there's also so many other rules that they're not completely unified yet. And I tell people, do your due diligence and go and research the rule set that was just used and applied for that fight. Because unless you do that, you can't sit there and go, well, that was a bad call. Well, that was this, that was that. You're not in there. And you've never done it. So everybody, unless you're doing your research, you shouldn't be talking on it. <clears throat> True. But, you know, everybody does have a right to talk. You know, Absolutely. It, it just is what it is. Um, but, you know, it's it's all about who you're talking to. Do you respect their opinion or not? But listen, it's a fan sport. So the fans have a right to analyze the way they do. And we have to deal with however that falls out. Absolutely. Now, you've done a ton of acting. Uh, you've done movies and you've done TV. Uh, is there any plan for you to be doing that in the future or more of? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, I would love doing it. It's a lot of fun. And <clears throat> I always wanted to be an actor when I was a kid. I studied um, and I was going to planning on pursuing it. And then I owned my first telemarketing company when I was 19. And I had actors working for me, pounding the pavement, you know, hoping they're getting their call back and their audition. And I realized the passion needed to pound that pavement. And I was very lucky to have entered an environment where I began to make really great money at a very early age. And I decided to not finish college and just pursue my business career and give myself two years to make it in the streets, which I did, thank God, in a, you know, in a variety of businesses, learning through success and failure. And I just stuck to that entrepreneurial attitude. But the beautiful thing is when I became an announcer, as you said, and thank you for that, I've had the um, ability to fulfill that bucket list wish to do a number of TV shows and co-star in Friends and Entourage and make movies with fine actors like Antonio Banderas and Kevin James and many others, you know, Will Ferrell recently and Holmes and Watson, which <laughs> won the Razzie for the worst movie of the year. But when people tell you your cameo in the scene, which Michael and I did was one of the best scenes in the movie, you know that it wasn't going to be critically acclaimed. But it was, but it was great to work with Will Ferrell and, and everybody on that film. It was, it was an awesome experience. So life is all about experiences, you know, and, and to be able to fill those bucket lists and still do what I love to do and announcing in the other areas um, and other products I'm developing and I'm going to be coming out with this year. You know, it's great. Like, for instance, yesterday we just announced, as I managed my brother, the new movie from Paramount, Rumble, the big animated film. It just hit the, uh, it'll be out in 2021. And this is a huge animated film coming out that Michael's in. And we licensed Let's Get Ready to Rumble too. It's a big, it's a big thing. It's another big movie move. I'm not in that movie. Uh, my job is Michael's manager and business partner to put that together. Um, but, you know, it's a lot of great experiences, Carrie. A lot of great experiences. Well, and, and that you had, you're able to do all of that and still manage your brother and, and, and have that family connection is absolutely amazing. And it's huge. Uh, that's to me, couldn't be more of an important thing. Uh, and to have something outside of your career in general is amazing too. And I don't know if a lot of people know this about you, but you are a professional poker player. <laughs> yes, I love poker. I'm going to call myself <laughs> semi-pro. I don't think I'd want to be professional where I played okay. every day grinding it out, but I do play a lot. Okay. Love cash games, love tournaments and, you know, cash in the World Series. I, it's it's I'm a very competitive person. And at 62 now, instead of standing across from somebody throwing punches or surfing a big wave, which I still love, um, the bottom line is I need that competitive spirit. And if I can take your chips off the poker table and, you know, win a tournament or whatever with all due process, we're not here to make friends. We're here to make money and have fun and still make friends. It's it's a great it's it's a fun, fun thing to do. I love poker. It's, you know, and you have to have something. I actually shoot pool, com pool competitively. Um, so I know what you mean by, and I'm a competitor in general. So I have to constantly be competing. And to me, that's the closest thing that I, or it is the only thing that I can do really at the moment. Um, but I love that. I love that. I can, you know, take that, take that. I know I want to win. I know that, uh, it could be a grind out and a fight on that table. So it's exciting. Uh, and it's exciting to have something else. And is the, is the Luxor, uh, poker room still named after you? I wish it was. That was a one year deal and it was so cool. It was a great experience. And, uh, there's only been about six poker rooms named after people in Las Vegas. And I'm blown away that I happen to be one of them. And we used to have a store across from there. We were selling T-shirts and hats and shot glasses and glasses with my with my mug on them, my picture and my trademark. It's time. And I was like a kid in the candy store when I used to go over there. But it was a one-year deal, and it was a great experience while it lasted. 
that it is amazing. And when I saw that, I said, I got to find out if you still if that was, a you know, how long of a deal that was. But that's still that's that's something huge. Not many people, like you said, get that opportunity. And I mean, it just says the 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 person that you are and everything that you've accomplished and how great of a human girl. I've read about you for a very long time. Uh, and, and even outside of all of that, you're a great human being. You do a lot. You do a lot. And, and, and there's something to be said for taking your platform and doing something with it. Thank you. You, you think so. And my mom thinks so. I'm a very happy person. That makes me happy. (laughs) You know, the, the cool thing about life and its experiences, and I wish this for everybody. I say this at the end of my, it's time podcast every week to be the best you can be, set your goals, write them down. So when you step on that path, if you be the best you can be, whether you're number one or whether you're a champion or not, then you're winning. And life is all about winning. And that's what I wanted to do. And I still want to do. I wake up with this fever and and fervor, not fever, but fervor every day, this fire. It's time. I look in the mirror. I shave. I slap my face. It's time to have the best day ever. So without other soapbox talk, what I want to share with you is achieving goals for all of us, I think, is something we all love to do. For the most part, most all people love to do, right? Mm -hmm. As a kid, I dreamed of having my own baseball card. This experience has allowed me to get tops trading cards. As a kid, I dreamed about being in a video game. I've been in 11 or 10 video games, and I've had the pleasure of, of actually being behind the camera and, and helping develop and make three video games with the Ready to Rumble Boxing. I love the video game industry. As we know, this esports industry is getting huge. So the video games happen. I, I got a chance, have a chance to be in the movies and the TV, and I get to stand center in the greatest fighting arena of champions known to man in the world called the UFC octagon it's I wake up every morning and step down on the ground and I thank you know I thank everybody possible for allowing me to do this but I know that I still have to be the best I can be when I set out on that path and it doesn't mean it just means be doing my best that's all it is it's all we can do so I love building my dreams Absolutely. It sounds like you're, um, uh, you either practice or follow, or even if you don't, you, uh, you do, uh, universal thought. And I actually, the, the show or the movie, the book, the secret is one of my favorite things in the entire world. And it's about putting it out there, looking in the mirror every morning and saying, you know, I, I am the best version of me. Um, I'm going to go out there and do great. I'm more than enough. And enough people don't say that. And, you know, you hear people too often say, why did this happen to me? It's never going to get any better. And then you see that it doesn't. So well, I love and I appreciate that you say that because it shows, you know, your positivity and your motivation has really taken you to that next level. Well, it has because I've had I was lucky to be raised by amazing parents. I surrounded myself with quality people. My brother, Brian, my partner, Kristen, who I talk about in my book. Uh, she's my right arm in this business. And, you know, you have such a chance, small chance in your life beyond your family to meet great people that will take a bullet for you, that will be your best friends for life. And when you do, hold on to them. You know, I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about relationships. And the strength of the people around you, they make you strong. So I try to surround myself with quality people. And, uh, you know, again, as a team, we really push forward. And it's just, it's, again, our tenacity, it just doesn't stop. We love what we do. I wish everybody out there could, I, I tell everybody, because I do motivational speeches also, and I have a three-foot theory that I want everybody around me to be successful, happy, and prosper, and and be healthy, if I didn't say that already. Because if, every, if I can help everybody around me be that way, then it will come back to me. And that's the unselfish attitude that I put forth and live my life as. 
You know, I granted, I want to be the number one. If you're going to compete against me, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to win this thing. But I want everybody to be successful. When, the, when they spin the lottery wheel, I get tears in my eyes watching people win money. I love seeing people fulfilled. It's just, an, it's just a thing about me. I, I, I can't get away from it. It's who I am. Well, that, again, speaks to your character, how you were raised and the person that you are. Because, if, if you know, when I, I kind of say the expression when you're on, on a plane and wishing that it's going to go down and everybody's going down with you, that's the most unhealthy way to think, you know, and, and you should you should want everybody to win. You know, I, I it's being a cheerleader. Nobody wants a balloon popper in their life. Of so, course. It's amazing to hear you say that and, you know, to hear you actually verbally say that I've read it. I've read a lot about you, but it's different when you actually get to speak to somebody and not just hear it, but feel it. Because you can feel it in in your voice that you really do have a passion for people and you love what you do. Thanks. Thanks, Carrie. I don't butter people. I mean, I don't don't butter people's bread. I just tell it the way it is. It's the only way I know because I think you're you're hurting people if you don't tell it the way it is, you know. I want to build people's confidence. That's why I'm always around, you know, kids. I could be walking in an arena. I've got three seconds to get into the octagon. And if I see a kid and he reaches out his hand, well, I'm going to stop and talk to him and I'm going to take a picture with him. When I was five years old, I was in Philadelphia with my brother Brian and a, a tall black gentleman walked into the Marriott Hotel we were at with my parents. And I recognized him from TV and my dad said, well, go say hi. So Brian and I walked over and this gentleman spoke to us for five to ten minutes and this is back in the 60s, and his name was Cassius Clay. It wasn't Muhammad Ali, it was Cassius Clay. And that stayed with me the rest of my life. And I think that's one of those experiences we all have, we can remember when we were younger, um, that's something I carried with me. And we live in a society of decay and morality with everything going on, even with all the great technology and everything happened, but the world is changing. And I think it's, it's also changing the fact that we have fewer real role models than we used to. So I think it's important that if anybody has a chance to be a role model and help the young become strong and confident within themselves, that's a job and a duty that I think we should all assume as human beings to help make this world better. Because one thing they do, Carrie, and you probably know this too, especially in the public eye, the fans love you on the way up, mm-hmm. but then they can't wait to see you fail. It's just a natural reaction. It's a human nature that happens many times. So uh, it's a it's a vicious world out there, you know, and it's something you've got to stay strong on. You know, it's a dog-eat-dog world, as beautiful as it is. There's also the dog-eat-dog side. Don't kid yourself. Absolutely, and that's that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. And, you know, it, the more you lift people up, it's a negativity breed. So the more that people push people down, the worse it's going to get, the more you lift people up. And again, it is your duty as a person to be, in my opinion, to be a better person and to lift other people up. I just, when I see people putting people down, like you said, in the world that we live in, whether it be a fan, whether it be, you know, a colleague, even uh, it's, it's, it's a little upsetting, but I'm that person. You'll hear me chime in and say something really positive just to like, try to, you know, tweak it a little bit if I can. Um, and, and sometimes it's tough because you can, you get people that are stuck in that mindset and that rat race and, you know, it just, it could be never ending. And that's why I really actually appreciate that you do motivational speaking. And I had a feeling that you did. Um, is that something that you're going to do more of in the future? Because you've done everything. You've done it all, uh, and I'm sure there is much more for you to do and a lot more that we're going to see out of Bruce Buffer. What is next? Well, I haven't uh, shark dived in a cage with great white shit. I haven't, that's my dream. Yeah, that's one thing I want to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's fulfillments out there. I, I, there's so much more I want to do. I, I'm going to make a couple big announcements business-wise of products I'm going to be coming out with and endorsing this year. 
Um, actually, a few. I've got some very big plans, but I don't like talking about them until they're uh, released. It's mm -hmm. a normal thing with me in business. Smart. I, again, I want to take care of my family, Carrie. I just want to be, I have everything in place. <clears throat> um, I want to do and be happy and, and uh, keep doing what I do and developing different avenues around what I do and, and just uh, maintain my, my um, situation with my family and my friends. And, you know, I'm at a very happy point in my life. I'm 62 years old now and I'm just, I'm enjoying and I'm just moving forward. Well, we are just so thankful to speak to you today for you to take your time out of your day. I know that you have a lot going on uh, and to enlighten us that we, I've learned so much more about you than I already had researched and known. And it's been an incredible experience having this conversation. And I know you said you didn't want to talk too much, but if there is anything that you want to drop or announce or anything that you want to promote, the floor is yours. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you very much, Carrie. It's been a very enjoyable time with you. I appreciate it very much. Um, basically, you know, one thing that the fans love, I started this a couple years ago. We did a, Kristen and I put together a little thing at Christmas and uh, two or three years ago, I forget what exactly, but we made championship introductions, like I'm introducing you in the cage, in the octagon. And we have an audio version and a video version. And at brucebuffer.com at my website, we offer this for extremely reasonable rate compared to what I've been paid in the past because I'm trying to get back to the fans. We haven't raised it. Partial proceeds are given to military, animal, and children's charities. And if you go to brucebuffer.com and you want to have the big grandiose introduction like you're facing George St. Pierre or Chuck Liddell or whatever, um, it's it's really wonderful. And I also do weddings and birth of babies and, of course, the voicemail, the podcast intros, and businesses contact me for God knows how many different things for voice and videos. But for the fans, that's something that we, we like to give back. So if, if you're really a UFC fan and you want to keep safe for life or a really cool gift for a friend, uh, check out BruceBuffer.com and know that, again, the partial proceeds are going to be sent to uh, my choice of favorite charities involving children, military, and animals. I love that. Uh, those are some of my favorite charities as well. And I want to thank you again for your time. And I know that everybody can follow you on all your social, social media at Bruce Buffer. Um, and you can find yourself, like you just said, at brucebuffer.com. And this is, again, Carrie Steller with MMA UK. And you can find us at MMAUK.net, MMA UK News on Facebook. And we are MMA UK on everything else. And Bruce, again, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with us. It's my pleasure, Carrie, and I'll be in London in a little bit. So, you know, if you're at the show, please say hello. <laughs> I will be seeing you at UFC 249 at Barclays. Sounds great. Okay. Enjoy oh, very your cool. day. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you, Carrie. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Bye-bye now.